Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Prepping for invasion. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Kashenka on this Monday, October 16. Thanks for joining us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Israel is reportedly set to launch a ground invasion into Gaza to root out Hamas. Meanwhile, there's also fighting in the north with Hezbollah in Lebanon. After years of losses and failed mergers, your local Rite Aid drugstore could soon disappear. The company has filed for bankruptcy. Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio has secured the Republican nomination for House Speaker. A vote by the full House could be held tomorrow. And how baby boomers could prop up the economy if it heads into a recession. There's all these bad things that could be happening or might be coming soon. And boomers are kind of resistant to all that right now. Uh, You know, there was always this concern that when boomers got older and they entered their retirement years that they would, one, stop contributing to the economy, and two, they wouldn't spend very much. Uh, It turned out neither of those things are true. Court gains at Insider on the $75 trillion nest egg of baby boomers. Israel is now fighting terrorist groups on two fronts, Hamas to the south and Hezbollah forces in Lebanon to the north. Both are deemed terrorist organizations by the United States. Israeli forces struck Gaza in the south yesterday ahead of what's considered an imminent ground attack. The response against Hezbollah, backed by Iran, came after they launched at least six strikes against Israeli territory. The surprise attack by Hamas last weekend killed at least 1,400 Israelis now. Israeli Defense Forces spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Peter Lerner. We will strike Hamas from the top through its institutions all the way down to the individuals that conducted the butchery of our babies. Also of note, Israel said earlier today no ceasefire had been implemented in southern Gaza to allow foreigners out and aid to be brought in. Meanwhile, the U.S. and several of its allies are asking Qatar to use its contacts inside Hamas as they tried to cross-reference names and conditions of more than 150 people from around 30 nations not seen for nine days. President Biden says in a new interview that it would be a big mistake if Israel once again occupied Gaza as it fights the militant group Hamas following an attack and subsequent war that has left nearly 4,000 dead. Mr. Biden filmed the interview with CBS on Friday, and it aired yesterday. I think it'd be a big mistake. Look, what happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. Israel formally withdrew its military presence, as well as its settlements from inside Gaza in 2005. The enclave had been controlled by the Palestinian Authority, Before that, following the Oslo Accords, the year after Israel withdrew from the territory, Hamas was elected to govern the area. No elections have been held in Gaza since. Mr. Biden has long supported a two-state solution in the Middle East. However, he this week says he doesn't believe Israel would pursue that option after what's occurred over the past week. A man from the Chicago area is accused of fatally stabbing a six-year-old boy and seriously wounding his 32-year-old mother because of their Islamic faith. Police allege 71-year-old Joseph Chuba singled out the victims as a response to the war between Israel and Hamas. He's also charged with a hate crime. It happened Saturday in Plainfield, Illinois, about 40 miles southwest of Chicago. The Will County Sheriff's Office said the boy was pronounced dead at a hospital. The mother had multiple stab wounds and was expected to survive. An autopsy on the child showed he had been stabbed dozens of times. 
Ahmed Rahab is executive director of the Council on American-Islamic Relations. He knocked on the door and that he attempted to choke her and said, you Muslims must die. The boy's paternal uncle identified the child as Wadeya al-Fayyum, a Palestinian-American who recently had turned six. FBI officials, along with Jewish and Muslim groups, have reported an increase of hateful and threatening rhetoric. Bring smiles to all when shopping online with Dell Technologies Gift Guide. Whether it's for the artist, the entrepreneur, the student, or the streamer, you'll find the perfect gift. Dell.com slash gift guide makes gifting easy with a carefully curated selection. Shop now to explore our innovative PCs like the XPS 13 laptop, powered by the latest Intel Core processors, plus accessories. Visit Dell.com slash gift guide today. That's Dell.com slash gift guide. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday. Financial markets are insulated from the direct effects of this unfolding war between Israel and Hamas, which doesn't immediately threaten energy supplies, corporate profits, or banking stability. But there are market concerns nonetheless, especially if the war escalates. Here's Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. Rick, your take. Well, important to point out, uh, uh, neither Israel nor uh, you know any part of the Palestinian groups uh, they don't they don't produce oil or natural gas that goes onto global markets. So that there's no direct effect there. But uh, Iran does produce a lot of oil that goes onto global markets, uh, and th- this is an this is an important factor in what's going on. So a lot of people don't realize this, but the Obama administration has subtly been trying to make nice with Iran. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One is to just um, see if it can just get Iran to stop doing some of the nefarious things it does by funding terrorist groups in the Middle East and stuff like that. And also, the Biden administration is looking for new sources of oil uh, for the global market in order to keep um, prices down, because obviously uh, oil prices and gasoline prices have been a big problem for President Biden. So, there have been some moves prior to the uh, Hamas attacks on Israel to, I wouldn't say normalize relations between the United States and Iran, but to sort of ease tensions, um, scale back some of the sanctions that are in place on Iran, and um, try to get Iran, uh, you know, sort of tacitly allow Iran to produce more oil, which it has been doing. Um, and that is probably going to go into reverse um, in the aftermath of these attacks. It's not clear that Iran had any direct role in this. But Iran is the main funder and supporter of Hamas. Yeah. They provide most of the money, most of the weaponry, the training, and so forth. So uh, Iran is implicated in the attack on Israel no matter what. It's just a question of whether it's direct or indirect. And that is already forcing the Biden administration to basically reverse this sort of easing of tensions with Iran. It's going to go back to the, you know, the, the way it was under President Trump, uh, which is maximum sanctions meant to choke off Iran's oil industry, and that is going to mean less oil on global markets. What about uh, Saudi Arabia's role here? Well, until, I mean, so the question is, what changes after the attacks on Israel? So uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia, um, two of the large, Saudi leads the OPEC oil cartel. Russia is a member of the so-called OPEC Plus. They have been cutting oil production uh, because they want to keep prices up. Um, You know, when prices are down, um, they they feel they feel like they're just in a better position, even if they're selling less oil at a higher price. And uh, you know that has kept oil in the seventy-five to eighty-dollar range, and it went up into the nineties. And when oil goes up to ninety dollars a barrel or more, 
uh, we're talking about U.S. gasoline prices getting close to $4 per gallon, and that is a danger zone for President Biden. So um, now we'll... <laughs> Now what, cha- now, what changes after, uh, after you know, now that we have a new war in the Middle East? Is there some reason that Saudi Arabia might be more willing to put more oil on the market? I don't think we know the answer to that yet. I think it's safe to assume the Biden administration certainly is entreating them to put more, more oil on the market. They've been, the Biden administration has been trying to get Saudi Arabia to do that for the last two years, and they have not been willing to do it. Mm. Now, will they be more willing? We will find out. Yeah. We're speaking with Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. He's taking a look at market implications from the Israel-Hamas war. Switch gears. What about, uh, as you point out, a, a, a coherent Republican Party? Well, it's not happening yet. <laughs> as we speak, uh, they still don't seem anywhere close to electing a, a Republican speaker in the House of Representatives. But um, Congress is going to have to uh, pr- probably provide more aid for you, for uh, excuse me, for Israel um through legislation now there's enough in the pipeline for israel at the moment but they're going to need more and there and there's just the uh, almost necessity at this point just for congress to show united support for israel um by passing legislation that will help israel out can't do that if republicans do not have a speaker so this could add to the impetus for republicans to get their act together figure out who can lead the party uh so that congress can actually pass legislation now I, I mean, I think everybody is astounded at how incompetent the Republican Party in the House has become and how basically it can't function. So um, if you just ha- if, if, if the situation persists, that you can have basically 10 members or fewer out of 435 in the House throwing a wrench into the works and blocking the whole functioning of, um, of Congress, um, if those 10 members just want to keep doing that, I, I, I'm not sure how this ends, but... Uh, there's more pressure than there was before, let's at least put it that way, for Republicans to elect a speaker and start getting back to business as usual. Thanks, Rick. Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. 20 minutes after the hour on this morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is denying reports of a ceasefire to allow foreigners out of South Gaza and humanitarian aid in. There had been reports Egypt would reopen the Rafah crossing for several hours, but it's currently closed. Thousands of people are gathering there, hoping to leave Gaza ahead of an expected Israeli ground offensive. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on ABC. We are working again, as I said, with the United Nations, with Egypt, with Jordan and with Israel to ensure there are safe places for them to be able to go where they will have access to food, water, medicine, shelter. Uh, and also where they will be safe from military operations. More than 1,400 people in Israel were killed in Hamas attacks, while nearly 2,700 people in Gaza have been killed in Israel's retaliatory bombardment. Number two. Some Republicans say strong support from grassroots conservatives will help new House Speaker nominee Jim Jordan win over dozens of GOP critics and take the gavel this week, but opponents are standing firm and the math remains unforgiving. Former Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Fox. What I did was right, and I've lost my job over that. That's okay, because we cannot have this Gates doctrine continue to any further. Uh, Look, I think Jim Jordan can get there. I'm one who understands how difficult it is. 
I did walk in with more support during this time, but I believe at the end of the day, Jim can get there. The Senate returns today from a week-long recess, but without a functioning House, no legislation can pass in Congress. Number three. Republican Jeff Landry will be Louisiana's next governor after a victory in Saturday's primary election. Landry, the state's attorney general, had led the race from the start. He will replace Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards, who was term-limited and couldn't run again after eight years in office. Actress Suzanne Summers has died at the age of 76. The effervescent blonde was known for playing Chrissy Snow on the TV show Three's Company. So you bought a sleeping bag? No, I didn't. <laughs> I spent so much money on all these nice clothes, I didn't have anything left for the sleeping bag. <laughs> Summers had breast cancer for 23 years and shared in July that the cancer had returned. She was also an entrepreneur and New York Times bestselling author. Once again, T-Swift delivered. AMC Entertainment says Swift's Eras Tour concert film brought in 95 to $97 million over the weekend. The film has already become the highest grossing concert film released domestically, surpassing Justin Bieber's Never Say Never, which hauled in $73 million in theaters in 2011. We're just, we're just living in Taylor Swift's world pretty much at this <laughs> <Yep>. point. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Hey there, Gordon Deal here, and everyone knows the best part of fall is the food. I found a new way to embrace the season. Hello Fresh Markets, limited time fall flavors. Let me tell you about their apple cider cake with caramel sauce. Man, so good. Are you looking for the perfect game night treat? Write this one down, barbecue pulled pork nachos. Speaking of which, I recently had the kids home from school, and HelloFresh not only saved me time, but made me look like a pro chef. Using farm-fresh ingredients, you're going to get the flavors of fall in every bite. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on the mini pumpkin cheesecake. It's perfect for a me-time treat. Want to give it a shot? Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus free shipping. That's right, 50% off plus free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. Thanks for spending time with us. America's highest office vacancies are not in the East and West Coast cities that have been shedding population and workers. They're in Texas, a thriving Sunbelt state that's been luring companies away from the big coastal cities. More from Conrad Putzier, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Conrad, what's going on? Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, Texas has actually been pretty good at getting people to physically go to the office. Like its physical office occupancy rates are some of the highest in the country. But landlords just can't seem to be able to find tenants for their buildings. They have huge leasing vacancy rates. So in Austin, Houston, Dallas, about a quarter of all office space doesn't have a tenant right now, which is really high. It's like more than double the vacancy rate of New York City. Um, and and it's kind of puzzling, right? Because people actually want to go to the office more in Texas than in other cities, and yet the demand for office space is low. Why? Explain the disconnect here. So one big thing that's been happening in Texas is that, that there's just way too much construction, which is really an issue that the U.S. has had as a whole. There's just been too much office space built in the 80s and 90s that people don't like anymore. And Texas has had that more than anywhere else, really, because there's way more land, cheap land in Texas. There's also generally less red tape and zoning rules that make it hard to build. So it's always been very easy to build in Texas. And developers have taken advantage of that during times when the economy was growing, when debt was cheap and available, such as in the 80s and the late 90s and in recent years, they've just built too much office space. And now they're kind of paying the price here, that there is just this glut of office space that just competes with each other for tenants. Um, and that leads to these really high vacancy rates. Wow. All right. So this is not really a, a remote work issue. 
it's not primarily a remote work issue, although remote work plays a role here, of course, right? Even in Austin, which has a really high return to work rate compared to other cities, it's still just at 60% of pre-pandemic levels, right? Jeez. So people are still not coming back to work the way they were before. Um, and that clearly plays a role. But I think the difference here is the impact of remote work has sort of been gradual because basically what happens is if you're a company, you have these 10 year, five year, 15 year office leases. And even if your employees are actually not in the office, you still have to pay rent. And what that means is that for landlords, they're not feeling the full impact yet of remote work because a lot of tenants may not need this space anymore, but they have no choice. They have to pay the rent. Whereas this office glut, there's this oversupply of office space that's already hitting landlords with, with full force right now. Boy, we're speaking with Conrad Putzier, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. His story is called Texas Cities Are Booming, But Their Offices Are The Most Vacant. Are things likely to be optimal anytime soon for landlords or owners? Is this years away or is this never even going to be a thing anymore? So that's the big question. Um, there's a couple couple different theories about this. One is it's going to get worse because remote work is just going to entrench itself. And as more leases expire, companies are just going to say, I don't need all this space. I'm going to sign a new lease for much less space. And that's going to push up vacancies. The other possibility is that vacancies will go down because there's going to be less new office construction in the next few years. Companies are still going to need office space, even if they need less space. And so the space that already exists that's been built is going to fill up a bit more. But I think everyone agrees that in the long run, vacancy rates are going to be higher than they were before the pandemic. That there's going to be some sort of new normal. Wherever it ends up being, it's going to be higher than before mm -hmm. just because the demand for office space that existed before the pandemic is just not going to come back. Thanks, Conrad. Conrad Putzier, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Aging is a journey that can gather some unwanted passengers, namely those senescent or zombie cells. Hi, it's Gordon Deal, and I used to feel that sluggish middle-age mood, those aches after workouts. I could practically feel those old cells just taking up space, bogging me down. Then I found Qualia Senolytic. Think of it as giving your body a little spring cleaning, pruning away the worn-out cells, and letting the lively ones shine. And you only take it two days a month. Crafted with vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO ingredients. Plus, with a 100-day money-back guarantee, you've got a risk-free journey to rejuvenation. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com Gordon for up to $100 off and use code Gordon at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com Gordon for an extra 15% off. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's show. Neurohacker.com slash Gordon. The news without the nonsense. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Monday, October 16. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Kashenka, some of our top stories and headlines. Israel exchanging fire with Hezbollah in Lebanon to the north as it preps for a ground invasion against Hamas to the south in Gaza. The House could vote tomorrow on Ohio's Jim Jordan as House Speaker. Rite Aid files for bankruptcy amid opioid lawsuits and slumping sales. Alyssa Nakin of the Giants is the first woman to be interviewed for a Major League Baseball manager job. Bills over the Giants in Sunday Night Football and the Golden Retriever who didn't want to leave a brewery. That story in about 20 minutes. Well, a number of different shocks could push the U.S. economy into a recession, but baby boomers and their $75 trillion nest egg could save the day. Here's how from Cork Gaines, economy correspondent at Insider. Cork, explain 
Well, it's it, it, first of all, the economy is just in this really weird place right now, right? And it's you know we 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 see things like the job markets, okay. We see things like people are still kind of spending on some fun stuff and and having their fun, but at the same time, there's all these bad things that could be happening or might be coming soon, and boomers are kind of resistant to all that right now. Uh, you know, there was always this concern that when boomers got older and they entered their retirement years that they would, one, stop contributing to the economy, and two, they wouldn't spend very much. Uh, it turned out neither of those things are true. We see a lot of boomers still working. We see they're spending kind of freely. And a lot of these factors that are kind of leaning in on, you know, especially younger people, are not really impacting the older generation as much. So then if the economy were to go into a recession, what the thought process is they'd continue spending boomers the way they are that would prop things up? They wouldn't somewhat go into hiding? Yeah, I mean, they're, they are, they are less, they're going to be less impacted by a downturn in the economy. You know, they, they, they've built up a lot of wealth, obviously, from the $75 trillion nest egg. Um, they, uh, a lot of that wealth is in real estate, for example. They have benefited from the skyrocketing housing prices, which is terrible for young people trying to buy homes, but it's great for them because it increases their net worth, the older people's net worth. They're also less impacted by things like, uh, you know, the rising interest rates because there are most of these people who own their home. They already own their homes. A lot of them are free and clear and they are not going to be one. They don't need to move as often. For example, they're, you know, younger people are moving for jobs, for family, whatever it is. Older people do not feel that pressure to move as much. And because of that, they don't they can just sit there and sit on their low interest rates if they have a mortgage. And a lot of them don't even have a mortgage. So they have this value built up in their real estate and they are not going to be impacted by, you know, these sky high mortgage interest rates that are going around right now. Yeah. The flip side of that is they're actually taking advantage of those interest rates. Right. They can actually take that money when, you know, as you get older, you know, this the standard advice that you get is as you get older, you start to put your money in less risky stuff and in safer stuff. And a lot of that is bonds and whatever, and they, you know, high high yield savings accounts, and all those interest rates right now are you know sky high for them. And so they are not only worried about not having to spend into the higher interest rates, they're actually taking advantage of it with their savings right now. Wow, we're speaking with Court Gaines, economy correspondent at Insider. He's got a good story that's called "Forget Gen Zers and Taylor Swift Concerts." It's boomers who are flashing their dollars. Um, they're different from, say, the previous generation, right? It was the, the, the greatest generation. They seem to have a different approach here. Yeah, they do. They, they've kind of, it, it turns out, and again, kind of gets back to that point I was saying earlier about how, you know, there was some worry that they would spend less um, because of the growing up with their parents who did spend less. And those, you know, the previous generation who kind of grew up in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the hard economic times of the 1910s, 1920s, and they got very scared about money and were much more tight with their money. There was some feeling that that would kind of, uh, you know, spill over into the next generation, into the baby boomers, but that just hasn't been the case. They've been more of a let's live for the today type of, um, you know, attitude where, you know, they've got this nest egg, they've got this money, and they're going to go out and enjoy it. They're not going to worry so much about, you know, saving. Uh, they've been through some uh, slower economic times, but they haven't experienced the really hardship economic times, and they've experienced a lot of really good economic times. So, yeah. you know, their feelings are, it appears to be is, yeah, maybe there's a downturn. It's not really going to affect me much, but maybe it does a little bit, but things always get better is kind of their mindset. And so they are less worried about, you know, hoarding their money and, and sticking, you know, you know, hiding it underneath the mattress or whatever. Yeah. They don't seem to be taking part in these surveys that indicate, generally speaking, as Americans, we're lousy savers. 
<laughs> um, we, yeah, it, it, it does seem like there's this, you know, this general attitude and we, we, we've seen this in kind of, that's the reference I was making in the headline with, you know, the Taylor Swift concerts and this, you know, and, and I've written about that before. It's just kind of this summer of fun is it does kind of seem like the, the younger generation, it kind of senses that the economy is, is, I mean, they, they know the economy is not great right now. They kind of sense it could get worse, but they also kind of are acting like, well, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down having a good time. <laughs> and, um, you know, so they're spending gobs of money on Taylor Swift concerts and not just tickets. I mean, they're traveling for these shows. Um, you know, there's more people, you know, and it's, and it's not just Taylor Swift either. Obviously she was just the really big example this summer. There was a ton of other things. Thanks Cork. Court Gaines, economy correspondent at Insider. 20 minutes now in front of the hour on this morning, America's first news. Coming up next, the mic drop. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday. It's time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin, who is still <laughs> fighting some health-related stuff with regards to a, a swollen face and, 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 and uh, not able to speak fully clearly, but he yeah. wanted to be back. Less teeth, less teeth than I used to have okay. still, so okay. you can hear that a little bit. So okay. uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do here. F, Fs, the, the letter F, and F, some Ss and are a some problem. S, yeah, so okay. we'll see. I, I try to take out as many of those as possible, okay. but uh, there's still a few in here. So favorites is yeah. not a good word for you. <laughs> Most likely okay. not, no. I will not repeat that. Uh, good morning. Well, we know that people often take to the Internet these days to justify their bad behavior, and we have two examples of that today. We start in Australia, where a man has been labeled greedy for charging housemates more rent to work from home. According to the Daily Mail, it all started when a man first went online and asked how much more he should charge his housemate for working from home, explaining that he would have to work from common areas like the kitchen and it would be only fair to charge him for that space. Commenters were shocked at the question, calling the upcharge insane and greedy. <laughs> Some wondered how far this could go, maybe with monitors on the shower and electricity usage or even how much space they're taking up in the fridge. Not everyone was against the idea, however, with someone saying that if someone is commandeering all of the communal space for eight hours a day, they should have to pay for that privilege. Ooh, yeah, interesting one. Yeah, I guess it depends on how much they get in your way. If they just sit there quietly uh, typing away on their laptop at the yeah. kitchen table or something, that's one thing. But then someone mentioned, you know, what if they have a, um, a conference call with work and basically everyone has to be quiet and leave the room right. and that kind of thing? Yeah. Then, you know, I guess it depends on the situation. Right. And are you taking like 30-minute showers, you know, uh, soaking up the soaking up the energy in the house perhaps, <laughs> uh, using yeah. more than your share of utility? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Everybody finding one. a way to upcharge these days, <laughs> even <laughs> Uh, even roommates. <laughs> right. And uh, we know it's still hard for employers to hire these days, and they're letting something slide that they didn't used to. But even in this day and age, showing up to work on time is almost always a requirement. That was shocking news for a woman on TikTok who's gone viral after she talked about her recent job interview. In the clip, which has been watched nearly 8 million times, the woman named Sarah detailed how she got yelled at during an interview for asking if her prospective employer has any accommodations for quote, time blindness, which is apparently a term for people who struggle with being on time. She was flabbergasted at the response in which the interviewer curtly told her that time blindness doesn't exist, and if you struggle being on time, you'll never be able to get a job. Sarah posted the clip in the hopes of getting sympathy, but that quickly backfired, with most commenters trying to give her a dose of reality. Mm. Some asked what would happen if you were having a heart attack and had to wait 45 minutes in the emergency room because the doctor has time blindness. <laughs> and others reiterated that being on time is the absolute minimum requirement 
for any job. Oh my, that and the pulse pretty much these days. Yeah, I Can mean, you I, fog a mirror. Yeah, we know there are some jobs where I guess it's a little bit more flexible. You know, you're kind of a work at your own pace kind of a, a situation. Yeah, I mean, we know we don't work in one of those jobs, and we are required to be on time. Jeez. But uh, there are some people out in the world who I guess are used to that kind of thing. Time blindness. I mean, that I had phrase. never heard. Yeah, no. I mean, the, for them to be an actual thing called time blindness. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a new one. For Can me. you be flexible in me coming in? when i want roughly yeah. that seemed to be what she's asking yeah here. yeah yeah what yeah. are you going to do to accommodate me and yeah, my problem right, that i have right. with not being able to show up on time what's what you know sarah if everybody chose this this path <laughs> just showed up whenever yeah yeah it's not how things Would not work. go well Thank you, Mike. Bring smiles to all when shopping online with Dell Technologies Gift Guide. Whether it's for the artist, the entrepreneur, the student, or the streamer, you'll find the perfect gift. Dell.com slash gift guide makes gifting easy with a carefully curated selection. Shop now to explore our innovative PCs like the XPS 13 laptop, powered by the latest Intel Core processors, plus accessories. Visit Dell.com slash gift guide today. That's Dell.com slash gift guide. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Monday. Americans spend an average of $475 a month on groceries, or about $5,700 a year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And even as inflation begins to show signs of cooling, food prices remain high compared to a year ago. CNBC.com has tips you can follow to save money on your next grocery one. Number one, pay with grocery rewards cards. It ranked the blue cash preferred card from American Express as the best overall card for grocery shopping. It offers 6% cash back in the form of statement credits at supermarkets on up to 6000 bucks a year in purchases. Number two, sign up for the loyalty program where you can get member-only discounts that automatically deduct at checkout. Number three, you can clip coupons on top of signing up for the store's loyalty program or... Download the store's mobile app and snag the digital coupons. You can also join a wholesale club like Costco. And number five, go with the list and stick with it. Six minutes, or rather, eight minutes in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. President Biden says he believes Hamas, the Palestinian militant group, must be fully eliminated and that it's necessary to establish a Palestinian state. He told CBS the U.S. supports Israel but will not supply troops. I don't think that's necessary. Israel has one of the finest fighting forces in the country. I guarantee we're going to provide them everything they need. Historically, the U.S. has been one of Israel's biggest allies, though it has also endorsed a two-state solution which would separate Palestinian state next to Israel. For decades, the two parties have struggled to coexist, due in part to an overlapping claim to the holy city of Jerusalem, which both Palestinians and Israelis see as their capital. Number two. A 71-year-old Illinois man accused of fatally stabbing a 6-year-old boy and seriously wounding a 32-year-old woman has been charged with a hate crime. Police allege he singled out the victims because of their Islamic faith and as a response to the war between Israel and Hamas. Ahmad Rehab was with the Council on American-Islamic Relations. What we have is a murdered Palestinian child by someone who is radicalized by the 
environment in which we live right now. In recent days, police in U.S. cities and federal authorities have been on high alert for violence driven by anti-Semitic or Islamophobic sentiments. Number three. Former President Trump's online tirades have already landed him with a gag order from a state judge in New York. Now he faces the prospect of similar restrictions from a federal court in Washington. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin is set to hold a hearing today on whether to limit Trump's ability to publicly address criminal charges that he conspired to overturn the 2020 election results as he makes another bid for the White House. Trying to convert on fourth down. Going to throw it deep down the middle of the field. It's underthrown and knocked down. It's incomplete. And the Jets are going to beat the Eagles for the first time in their franchise history. Chris Carino on the call on Compass Media Networks as the Jets surprised the Eagles last evening, 20-14 to at MetLife Stadium. The loss was the Eagles' first this season, dropping them to 5-1. and one. Meanwhile, the Browns pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the season with a 1917 win over the previously undefeated 49ers, meaning there are zero undefeated NFL teams left. I'm done with picks. I'm <laughs> done. I'm I am just scraping the bottom of the bound the worst now. Just the worst. Thanks, Jen. Glad you're with us. A dog owner was hilariously forced to take extreme action after his golden retriever refused to go home. In a video posted to TikTok by Patrick Ryan22, a dog can be seen staging something of a sit-down protest, playing dead and refusing to budge an inch as the owner attempts to leave. Newsweek says the footage was filmed outside a brewery. The account belongs to Patrick Ryan, who describes himself as a retired Marine from Florida. The caption read, This puppy didn't want his day at the brewery to end. With the golden refusing to move, the dog owner is ultimately forced into scooping the dog off the ground and carrying him back to the car. The clip has been viewed more than 52 million times. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.